You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. Hosted by... Animé par Alison Burns. J.D. Papillon. Et Joanie Farah. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. Hey everyone, welcome to the 50th episode of Dirty Feet. Today uh, we're welcoming Sonia Stéphane, who is presenting in collaboration with Sylvain Poirier a Salon Double at the Agora de la Danse on October 30th, 31st and November 1st, and that's at 8 p.m. Uh, Sonia Stéphane, for many of you, uh, is known for collaborating with the uh, Bande Interdite, with Sylvain Poirier and Yves Saint-Pierre. She is also a filmmaker, and her uh, films have been exhibited at the Festival du Nouveau Cinéma, the Rendez-vous Cinéma du, du Cinéma Québécois, the Montreal's World Film Festival, and many others. Uh, she has been dancing professionally since 1996, and then she did uh, her degree at the Mel Hoppenheim School of Cinema. So I'll let uh, Sonia introduce more about herself. So hi, Sonia. How are you doing today? Good. Good morning. I don't know what else to say about myself, but I think you covered it all. I do those two things, film and dance, at this moment. And you've been in Montreal for a while now. You've been in Montreal since 1999. Yeah, I came originally from Toronto. Um, I came to dance with Ellen Blackburn for four years and then after that with Jean-Pierre Perrault and then after that for many other people like I did project base for a long long time until about 33 and then I had a child so then that kind of transformed my life. So. And when did you start working as a choreographer? Was choreography part of your parkour before even before you started uh, with Bande Interdite, had you done choreography before, or was it having a child that decided you, okay, now I should start <laughs> doing more choreography? How did that happen? Um, I think I definitely came from that generation of dancers that um, when we trained, it was like you trained to be a dancer, and being a dancer and a creator was not thought as the, as something that a dancer could do. So. To answer that question clearly, I think I've always been creating because I always did it in alternative ways. I always did it um, for theater companies or I would do it for dance schools that I would teach at or CEGEP or um, in films. It, it was always like in these um, underground venues. But I seriously, I think I started doing it when I went to film school. And that was maybe five years ago. So Because I, I consider the choreography I did for films choreography. It just didn't function in, in a the parkour that most people do like with tangente and all that stuff so so yes it's been there all my life but I never really assumed it I remember seeing a, a piece of yours that was called by Sonia and Eve that was very much um, about questioning dance and growing old in dance well older I should say was that your first big choreography that you had done when that was a tangent yeah what five years ago at least yeah I, I definitely definitely had a crisis at that moment with my age I, I really it was hard to explain but it was it was like I didn't feel like I was allowed to be on stage or it was embarrassing I don't know it was all those even though there was people around me who were doing it but Sonia and Eve, um, that was the first time that we kind of flipped the roles. Like, we kind of took charge of our own bodies, our own selves. And we asked various choreographies from various types of choreographers 
that was the, another thing about Eve and I is that we on not only contemporary dance we liked all kinds of dance. Like I, I, I started out with tap dancing as a child, and we asked jazz and salsa and we did tango. Like we did all all kinds of dance. And Sonia and Eve was the first time we've kind of um, and with Sylvain we we linked and created a, a full show that kind of celebrated us as dancers. So yes. There was something very entertaining about the piece, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, like, oh, that's like, so you think you can dance, but more, there was this uh, show businessy quality mm -hmm. to it, which was not always just upfront. There was also questioning of, of those notions of uh, being on stage, what it's like to sell yourself, and those kind of elements. Is that the kind of stuff that you've brought back afterwards in your work? Is that, Are those questions still with you, or is that something that was for that crisis at that time? No, I think those questions are still with me. I think that I, I'm starting to realize that I don't believe in this big separation of... I know that we all kind of exist in different dance worlds or dance categories but i don't like the categories because there's things in other types of art forms other dance forms that i i love and and show business is it's included in all that like i i watch the youtube videos and i i really am interested in all that so now i question yes i question because um i mean for this show that we are going are about to do i've had to do many things to make it happen. I've had to somewhat kind of give a lot of myself to let it happen because of all the various things. Uh, there's not a lot, enough grant money for everybody. There's lots of competition. You know, there's all those things. So for me, I was like, the competition that I have to deal with in this world is the same type of competition that I used to have to deal with when I lived in Los Angeles and I was a jazz dancer. They're just different type of um, things that I'm faced with, but it's still competition. So, yes, I, I do still question all those things. And like I said, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not into categories. I really, I welcome all types of dance. And I think that they all have really interesting things to give. And, and especially at this moment with YouTube, they're all being mixed together and mashed together. And, and that's the link also with cinema, that I, I really believe that the internet is new cinema it's not happening in movie theaters anymore and so the link the dance that you see on the internet that's for me it's, it's new dance it's new cinema it's you know it's not controlled by any big father figure it's controlled by everybody so the phenomenon of something like youtube has created even more cross-pollination between the arts with people being interested in something but not having the time or the means to really explore something like you know say contemporary dance or even just learning the ukulele or something so people are going <laughs> on youtube videos and just looking at that do you feel that that again cross-pollination or people sort of merging things without having had the proper training or proper you know quote-unquote route basically parkour do you, do you feel that this is uh this is positive for for a, a wall like dance which is so Uh, small, so minimal, you know, it's very restrictive sometimes. Do you feel that that's something that will help dance evolve into something more interesting or that has more of a capacity to bridge the gap between the mainstream audience? I know that when I've brought dance into other groups of people, like filmmakers, for example, or sound artists, and I start talking about dance and I talk about 
this, the forms that we have or the systems and how we create, they are very, very excited about it. And suddenly there's this huge conversation and then people start pulling out the YouTube videos. And, and you're right, it, there's this cross-pollination. But I actually think that instead of putting barriers, I think it's something that we should be really open to because there's so many new things that can happen. And for me, people who don't have the proper training sometimes they have the best ideas it's if you close yourself off to it you you don't even you can't even see it you have to just see it yeah how else can i say this so no i don't think it's a bad thing for dance i actually think it's a really exciting time i know that we all go through proper training methods but for me the proper training methods is a way for us to meet each other to find other people who like what we like to have those conversations you know i know we have to write the little piece of paper to give it to the grants system we have to do all those things but i mean i do that because i have to and i have to everybody has to kind of fall in line with the rules but for me that does not matter it's those rules are they don't like in terms of art they don't belong to me. I just do it because I have to survive. So it's the only way I can describe that. Talking about the the artistic world invading people's living rooms through YouTube, that, that leads me to this this piece that you're presenting, Salon Double. Mm -hmm. And we're talking before the show, and you were mentioning that you create a lot out of your living room. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell me a bit about what's your creative process like? Do you just wake up one morning and like, I'm going to go to the living room and start dancing and stuff's just going to come out? Or is it more structured than that? I'm going to describe it. I know uh, with Sylvain. I know with Sylvain, when I've rehearsed with Sylvain, I go over to his house and we literally push the, the furniture to the sides and he creates the dance in that space. And, and the dance becomes really in tune with the environment that's around us. With me, it's kind of like 24 hours a day. I, I video and I take sound with my cell phone and I go home and stick it in my computer and then I, I start plugging in various technical objects and suddenly I start trying to create some kind of sound in installation in the living room. I also use things that I have access to, like all my tech is lo-fi. I buy it all at um, Value Village or my friends give me their old stuff and I take apart VCRs and And like I said, if you come to my house, you'll see like film everywhere. <laughs> so it's, it's like a constant 24 hour day process with me because on one end, um, when you start taking apart a VCR, it's, it's just a disaster. Like there's parts everywhere and you can't like put it away and stick it in the closet. You kind of just have to leave it there. And film, film is very labor intensive. So yeah, that's it. Um, my living room is, it's close to my bedroom. I don't have to rent a studio. It, it just makes sense that I do it there. You're mentioning film. During your time at the Mel Hoppenheim School of Cinema, when you decided to go into, into that program, did you decide, I'm going to go do dance on film, or did you just decide, I'm going to go and start making films? There's been various moments in my life where I'm like, I'm going to quit dance. <laughs> and definitely when I went to film school, I was, I'm going to quit dance and I'm going to make films. But... My first film was, a, actually, all my films are dance films, all of them. And I just accept it. It's a kind of like the fourth time in my life that I just, I'm, I love dance. And I can't do anything else. It's, it's what I want to do. So um, 
everything I do, even if it's a more narrative type film, I call all. If, if there's an actor, it's always a dancer. I call them dancers, because for me, it, they're dancers. And even if they don't call themselves dancers, I call themselves dancers. Uh, so that's how I um, credit everybody. And even if a film doesn't have a traditional image of a dancer, like you don't see a physical body, but maybe you'll see like a swipe of light, for me, that's still a dance video. Actually, I actually think that's more of a dance video than like perfect, clear HD images with color correction. Because for me, it's kind of a true representation of movement, of energy, all the things that we talk about in contemporary dance, all the things that I've always been interested in. So that's it. Yes, I'm a dancer. I'm an artist who loves dance, and everything I do has to do with dance. Well, then, uh, what do you think of the dance and film scene in Quebec right now it, you know it's been going on by waves so there have been times when there was a lot more produced and a bit less and now we see more and more a lot of young choreographers actually using film as as a sort of DIY way of getting their stuff out there do, do you feel that dance on film in Quebec is starting to uh, re-emergence uh, of some sort yeah and I actually think it's um, pretty exciting because again We have more access to all these things. Everybody can edit. Uh, we have more access to cameras. And I actually think that dancers or dance artists should make dance films about our own, our own milieu. Because for a long time, I know that I did a lot of films for, with filmmakers, and they were all very kind and knowledgeable, but sometimes the representation of our, of our milieu was not to what I thought it should be. So people actually in our milieu making films about us is really exciting for me. And I'm really happy that people are doing it themselves. And then they're not waiting for, you know, grant money. And they're just, you know, it's all done at home. Because, again, exciting things can happen. You don't know how people are going to link things together, what their influences are. And, and the Internet lets us have access to all that without... Again, having to apply to a festival, paying $30 to get into the festival, all those, those things that we're supposed to do. So, um, yeah, I'm really for the underground. Do it, no matter what age, where you're from. I'm, I'm 100% for that. And by filmmakers making film about the dance milieu, do you mean like more of a documentary type of film? Or do you mean dance on film that has more of a specific... Uh, dense quality? I mean both. Okay. I think that we should do documentaries on us. I think we should archive all, all of us. I know that uh, me as a dancer, I danced like for 10 to 13 years. And once I had my baby, I know I felt completely lost and almost f forgotten. I mean, it might be my own personal like idea of myself, but yes, we should archive ourselves and put out the information about ourselves because we know ourselves and we should um, make art dance films we should do experiments all of it do you wish that there was more of a, a coming back of the loft performance time in the 70s and 80s in montreal that was big and you know tangent sort of was born out of this do you feel that people should get together informally more often uh yes um I actually am part of a film collective called Group Index, and that's how we started. As uh, We started something called The Home Show, where we were doing, um, we were inviting collaborators to come, and we were doing the shows like a lot 
We did one in my house. We did one in an apartment building that I got kicked out of. And uh, it was kind of a great way for us to kind of develop our, our craft and develop working with people. So, um, yes, with dance, I think it's the same thing. The more we dance, the more we have connections with other people, the more we can just be together. Again, have those discussions, all those things that I think that builds um, the art form. So, yeah. This idea of community, of bringing people together, uh, I felt that it was really present the last time Bond and I did the show together. Is this something that comes back again in this new creation in Salon Double? Yeah, um, Salon Double has seven dancers. The youngest is 25 and the oldest is Sylvain, which is how old Sylvain? I think he's in his older 40s. So there's a big range. Um, Sylvain is dancing with Isabelle Poirier. So somebody, that's somebody that uh, has worked a lot with Bond and in various kind of uh, situations. And in my piece, I asked um, two of my ex-students that I taught at uh, a CEGEP program, or a dance program. Peter Trotzmer has been like my best friend for 100 years. Uh, Patricia Oirola, same thing. And Nate Yaff was uh, the fifth one. Nate was kind of somebody I met at Sala Rosa in a short and sweet kind of situation. And he actually... St- started uh, to question me and I, you know you just find a connection with I just had this conversation with him invited him to come to kind of help um, replace Gabrielle one time he couldn't come and then he just just felt natural that he was there so it, for me it was like um, oh yeah and the last person uh, Guillaume Vallée he makes there's numbers in the show and he's from uh, the Mel Hoppenheim school so I literally, L and Alain Lefebvre, he's the sound artist. So I literally, it was like a family. I kind of took all the people that were in my life in various situations and I like stuck them all together. And so then with Isabel and then Eve, and, and the show really feels very family. My group of people were very noisy. And so then is quite, um, you know, he's quite uh, zen. So uh, yeah, it's a perfect family on stage. It's kind of great. How does it feel to be, uh, to use... The Agora de la Danse is your living room. It's not exactly a, you know, a closed-off, familiar kind of territory. It's 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 this big space, very open, very wide. Yeah. Is it hard to fill up that space uh, with with such an intimate series of connections? I did a residency at Sucriest on Papineau, and, and uh, that was the first time it was in a n- really huge space. And I have to say, I was in a crisis because it was really intimidating. And foreign, the only way I can describe it. Then I had that week. It was actually really great to kind of get over my all my fears. <laughs> then I came here, and basically every day I bring more and more stuff from my house. So my house right now is kind of empty, and all the stuff on stage is from my apartment <laughs> other than the table. So, um, And the dancers, I've asked them to bring their stuff. So we all have stuff. So even though it's huge and intimidating and not homey, I think we've done a pretty good job to try to fill up that space. That's the goal. And bring in outside eyes, so the spectators, into your home like that, into your self-made family in a way. Mm-hmm. Is that intimidating? How do you feel that that's going to be when once you start performing in front of strangers, the show? I have no idea. I haven't slept for a long time for the last couple of weeks. I don't know. I, I hope that people, even if they don't like it, they come and tell me they don't like it and, and why they don't like it or if people like it. I, I hope that people come and talk to me. That's what I hope. 
because it's a really new experience for me. It's actually kind of one of the, it's kind of a big dance experience. And um, I'm really excited and really scared. We were talking a bit before the show about uh, some of the elements that Sylvain has brought into into the work, uh, going in rural areas of Quebec, going all over the place, filming, creating dances in those outside spaces. The landscape, the Canadian landscape, is something that comes back often in your work. That's something we saw in the last bonnet of that show also. Why do you feel it's important to showcase the landscape in a dance performance venue? I know on my end, I feel that it's very important to talk about what you know. And I know that Sylvain is very, very attached to the, the countryside. Um, I know that he loves being in nature. So definitely, I think on his end, it keeps coming back and back and back and back because this is something that he is really interested in, really attached to, really connected to. He connected to the energies, the sounds. Uh, I mean, he, he's definitely inspired by those environments. And for me, right now, I, I guess I've been living in cities a lot, even though I, I really like countryside too. I just ha I don't have access to that at this moment. And I guess that's also why the connection with home, that's been a, like a really big preoccupation for me because when I had my child, I was a single mom and a dancer and not really dancing. And it was, it was kind of rock and roll to kind of make enough money to survive to like, you know. So my home became kind of my, my dance world, my workspace, the place where I'm raising my child. It, it all kind of meshed into one. So it just, it makes sense that I talk about that. It's what I've been doing, it's what I've been thinking about. So I think both of us, uh, our environments affect us a lot. And to go back to film, um, in, in the last show you used 16 millimeter cameras. Mm -hmm. Uh, use projection on cloth, if I remember correctly. On, uh, on those screens that they used to have in the 70s that you mm -hmm. would put in your house. Yeah. And is that old film type of element going to come back for this show? Or are you using new, different technologies for Salon Double? We, on my end, I have three 60mm projectors, two digital projectors that I found in, again, Value Village, an iPad, Uh, all the cell phones that I've had to buy, so I think there's like, a, I mean, seven or eight of them. I've just kept saving them. And uh, old cameras that people have given me, meaning old digital cameras. We have three mini projectors. And we have a lot of cords, uh, a lot of RCA cords, uh, extension cords. I've been collecting all the, the tech garbage. You know, every time you buy a new device, they force you to buy a new cord. So all those devices are on stage. Uh, none of them are treated very well. And I have 35 millimeter film. I found um, an old film at a garage sale. Actually, I went there to buy something called a Steenbeck, which is an old editing machine that you would use for 16 or 35 millimeter film. And I arrived there with a, a guy, another guy. And the guy wouldn't sell it to me because he said that the other guy was a filmmaker. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so he, made, he let, let me leave with these two cans of 35-millimeter film. And it was a documentary, um, a Russian documentary, dubbed in French, called Histoire de ma ville. And it was weird because once I opened that can, it was like I, I had decided that the film had to be free. And that film has, like, kind of created, like, I've created 
three different projects with that. Like one girl came to my house and she makes jewelry with film, so she takes it. I created a, a found footage film with uh, somebody named Guillaume Vallée. So what we do is we, we kind of peel off the image and we create new films from old films. And then for the dance performance, you actually visually see it on stage. So I don't project it, but you actually see it as a visual element. And it's all unraveled, and it's, it's all there. My piece is definitely a collection of technology. Do you feel it's bridging the gap between the old technology, the new generation? I mean, especially with uh, that all that age range of dancers that are going to be on stage. Do you feel that having this sort of uh, continuum is important for for you? Uh, you mean the different ages? Yeah, the different ages, but also represented through the different technologies that are being used. Yes. Um I know that when I walk into film school, people were like, what are you, film or video? Again, categorizing. And it was funny because at the time, I didn't know the difference between film and video. I, I didn't even know what that was. And I, I realized, like, so that was one thing. It was like, why do I have to say whether I'm film or video? For me, the project kind of determines the medium like that you're going to use. In terms of the age range in the, in the show, I really wanted it to be like my Italian family, like... Uh, When I had my first communion, you know, my the house would be full of all ages. And again, it was like chaos and food and all that stuff. And I started realizing, like, my crisis of being old, an old dancer, that I actually had power to change that. And um, so it's kind of like my first try. And I knew that I wanted, you know, all ages. Like, if I could have it even in a more extreme way i i would it's just like i said that first try but i definitely knew that that uh, i on stage i wanted to, to represent more than one age more than one uh, group of people i guess from all areas of my life like a, a family so it it again makes sense to salon double because it's about home and the technology aspect um with all the different types of technology i know that in cinema again um there's this thing is your film shot on 35 is it on the red people start talking about cameras people start saying like what did you use how many crew did you like again it's this so i guess the film is i don't know like it all has to do with money access all the, all those things and uh None of those things matter to me as long as you're able to do your project. I, I'm not against doing... I, I would love to use those big, expensive cameras, and someday I'm going to figure out how to do it, and I'm going to find those people to let me do it. But at this moment, I am not willing to wait. So I'm just going to use what I can, and that's where I'm at. And are you in interested in um, in video art also, or like uh, installation projects? Is is that yeah. stuff that you've started doing on your own, or I'm, that you're interested in bringing to galleries or something? Yeah, I'm really interested in video art. I've done a few, maybe two gallery shows with friends. Like I had like little things. That was interesting because you know in dance, I you, you're physically there. You experience it. It's in the moment. You experience the audience. Um, it's very, it's very in the moment. And the gallery thing was so strange because it was like there, and then I left, but I knew it was still there, and then people were looking at it, but I wasn't there. So it was this weird outer body kind of experience a bit, and. Um, That was also another thing that I thought about how, how cinema and dance are so opposite because in cinema you take an image and it's there forever. Like, but in dance, like we do it and then it's over once it's done. And so I realized how they were like on two ends of the spectrum. And it's kind of weird that I like those two things. So 
the gallery thing I would like to explore more. I don't know how. I've been reading a lot about it. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of artists who do works like that, like Nanju Paik, Apak. I can't remember how to say this properly, but I, I've been reading a lot about him, um, especially because in a lot of his work he is, you know, a celloist, and there's TVs, and he, he like, miss uh, the chords, the way he's wired everything. He made the first uh, video effects machine. Um, there's dance in it. There's a lot of humor. He, he's somebody that I really, really like at this moment. The other thing, too, about installation art that I love, that I think has a lot to do with dance, is that there's this idea, again, of energy, a space of, uh, like, a mise-en-scene, I guess, without... And I think also, for me now, if I think back, is what I liked about Jean-Pierre, because we would go to rehearsal, and he'd have, you know, the everything, his paintings around us, and we'd wear the costumes, and so suddenly it was like we were in some kind of painting, dancing in a painting. So for me, installation, I, it feels like that for me, depending on the type of installation. But it's, yeah, these objects that are placed in a certain way or organized in a certain way, and they're around you, so you already exist within it the moment you walk into it. Earlier, uh, before the show started, you were talking about the kind of things you like to do with all of that wiring that you're using on stage and the noises from the machines. Could you tell us a bit more about that exactly, like how you bring this, this these different connections and these different sounds that are created by the machines that you use to film? I'm going to talk about the two processes because I a little bit had a hand in it, but with Sylvain. So the sound artist, his name is Alain Lefebvre, and when I first met him, he was doing amplified objects and lo-fi technology. And he, we asked Sylvain uh, what type of, we didn't know what he was going to use for sound. And Sylvain and I kind of started discussing him recording sounds from the chalet. They live like on an island at a place called Saint-Mathieu-du-Parc. So Sylvain and Eve went there and they recorded all kinds of sounds like the refrigerator, the outdoor sounds, rain, water, all that stuff. And he basically just gave me like you know, files. And I gave them to Alain. And Alain, um, with his, I, I'm not really sure what he did, but I know he had some type of machinery, but he, he kind of made a score for them. With me, I wanted it to be live. So what we started with is we would plug in uh, all my projectors into his mixer, and we would see how they would sound. So this, we would, I like, we would see how the 60 millimeter would sound versus a digital projector versus an iPad versus the mini projector, and then Alan would transform them live. Sometimes we would um, plug in. RCA chords incorrectly or we would put a lot of RCA chords so that the connection was really long and it would suffer so the, the signal going from the machine to the mixer would take a lot of work and then Alain again would live mix it um, a lot of stuff with contact mics uh, the dancers actually manipulating the machines uh, so you can hear them clicking or even just touching it acoustic sound so the 35mm there's, it's already there that's it. And Alain also, I also gave him, um, he calls them field recordings of sounds that I had from film shoots that I had already done. Um, because again, I secretly record sound constantly. And I gave him um, all these sounds. And I think also I recorded like the cars that go in front of my apartment. So all the sound that's in the show come from our homes. It's all there. My part the sounds don't always sound so nice, 
but that's what the machines sound like. So, so Sonia Stefan, we can see Salon Double at the Gare de la Danse on October 30th, 31st, and November 1st. And is there anywhere people can find those films that you've made also? Uh, yes, I actually now have a website because I'm getting more organized. It's uh, www.sonnystefan.com. Uh, Bond into Dit has a website called www.bondintodit.com. And my film collective called Group Index, um, www.groupindex.com. Group is spelled G-R-O-O-P. We all have websites now, and they're all linked to a, a Vimeo account that we all share. And um, there's a few things on YouTube, but I'm at this moment more on Vimeo. So you could go there anytime you want. Great. So, Sonia, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Thank you, you to you guys. So we're about to listen to a collection of clips from the uh, sound files used for the show Salon 2 by Sonia Stefan and Sylvain Poirier. when we have the opportunity here on Dirty Feet to follow up on a past episode. For example, uh, Dirty Feet episode number 37, where we talked to uh, Laura Toma about Gaga. She was a, she still is the only Canadian Gaga teacher. And uh, in September of 2013, 
JD actually had the opportunity to go check out uh, one of her classes, and it actually turned out to be a private-ish class. Maybe you could explain that a bit. It was only the uh, second class she was giving at Divertimento, so there weren't that many people. Actually, we were only two students. And um, because of that, she turned it into a bit of more of a personal class, like a private class. So she would give us very direct feedback uh, on the process. And it was really interesting because I'd taken her class once at 3.03. And the classes she gives at 3.03 are more for non-dancers and the ones she gives at the Vertimentor for trained dancers. The approach was basically the same for people who listen to the interview uh, you've heard what the process of teaching Gaga class is like, but it was really interesting because it does take you much deeper into the research, into the fluidity in your joints and your muscles, and uh, of of really finding this uh, this reach in the bo- the mobility of your body. And it was really interesting for that to see just how much more in depth it can go. The, the same process, but either for non-dancers or dancers, and it was really interesting for that. So, again, Gaga is uh, Ohad Naren's language, uh, movement language. Um, he is the choreographer and artistic director, of course, of the Batsheva Dance Company. My question is, we talked a lot with Laura about the joy of dance and that kind of freedom there, and, and how does that come into play in, in the workshop, in the class that you took with her? Well, I mean, the fact that it's uh, that's an, it's improvisation and uh, basically finding your own way to move, there is uh, a stress that is released because of that. You don't have to follow something or someone. I mean, it, it's still intense in some ways because you have to juggle so many different things at the same time. And but at the same time, it's it's really moving for moving's sake. Uh, it's it's finding your own expression through movement, which sometimes when we do, you know, choreographed material can be a bit absent. Whereas in this class, it's very much about taking the joy of dancing and bringing it into your body to let your body absorb more information and find find different ways to move. The distinction being made between a professional dancer class and uh, everybody class, through the description of this approach, I assume that there is some allowance for maybe out-of-touch uh, out dancers, maybe people who haven't trained for a bit. Would it be a more welcoming environment, would you say? It would be, and I feel that it, it's really something that is very personalized in a way. It, it, it's kind of similar to a yoga practice where it's really about listening to your body and finding the full range of expression of your own body. There's there's less of a an expectation than there can be in some different dance classes with set sequences and, you know, very set exercises. So it's very much just about exploring and listening and understanding your own body. And because of that I do feel that people haven't trained in, in a while or who haven't been training as much as they wish, there, there is something very valid and valuable about, about this process because it does take you to a more personalized approach to movement and less of a learning by watching. And I guess the most important question, are you going back? Uh, I'm definitely going to go back to the, take the classes. 
I hope that a lot of people are actually are going to start taking those classes because there, there is something there for Montreal dancers that is very valid, and I'm definitely going to try to take as many classes as I can. Very cool. So keep Gaga and Laura Toma on your radar, listeners. Thanks very much, JD. Thank you. Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theater. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet est produit et animé par Produced and hosted by Alison Burns J.D. Papillon et Joanie Farrand. You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Vous pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou vous pouvez vous abonner également sur iTunes à notre podcast. Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to give us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word. Tune in next week for a whole new show.